Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today is taken from the reading in the Gospel of Luke. We begin with the word of prayer. You may be seated. We begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this day that you have once again gathered us here to receive your word. But Lord, today we confess that there are times where your word is hard for us to hear. And so Lord, we pray that you would remove from our ears anything that would prevent us from hearing and trusting what it is you would say. Now grant us your Holy Spirit this day, so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. beginning to think more and more that, that my job as a preacher is to deliver Jesus Christ's words to you, completely unfiltered, completely unadulterated, just, just get out of the way. Really, the preacher's job is to proclaim Christ's word and to get out of the way. And a lot of the work that I do is to help you remove those things that prevent you from hearing God's word and prevent you from trusting in God's word. And this is this is the job of the preacher, to get out of the way of the text and to get everything else out of the way of the text so we can finally hear Christ. But then we come to a text like today, and I feel like we need to help Jesus out. Because what Jesus has to say today, boy, it's a, I just don't know if he really gets. I'm not sure Jesus understands the way the world works. Sometimes Jesus has sermons like we've heard today called the Sermon on the Plain, where what he has to say, if he's not careful, it's a little bit embarrassing for him. He seems almost clueless to the reality of the world, and he presents things in a way that just seems completely backwards. And when he does it, it's kind of offensive to him. It kind of upsets us. Just listen to the way Jesus speaks today. Let's read these words again. Listen to the way Jesus speaks today. Blessed are you who are poor, Yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil all on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. So their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. So far the text. Now that's just backwards. So what I thought I would do today is I would you know, get a little brave here, and I kind of help Jesus out. Kind of help him preach this message in a way that's a little bit easier for us to understand, a little bit easier for us to like, make this text just a little bit more palatable, because I just don't think Jesus really quite gets how upsetting and offensive he is here today. For those of you who don't understand sarcasm, I am being a little tongue-in-cheek here this morning, okay? Uh, But nonetheless... Jesus does say some pretty crazy things here. So let's see if we can't help him out. So I got a list of three things, three things that I think Jesus could have done to make this sermon a little bit easier to follow, a little bit easier to appreciate. First thing is he could have reversed the order. 
could have reversed the order. See, I don't think Jesus understood rule number one of preaching a good sermon is you start with the law and then you finish with the gospel, right? You start with the conviction of sin. You expose sinners for their guilt and their shame. And then once they realize they're in need of a savior, you swoop in with the gospel and you give them the good news that Jesus is, in fact, that savior. You start with the bad news and you finish with the good news. You always leave them laughing. You always leave with the happy stuff. But Jesus doesn't want to do that to you. In fact, he reverses the order completely. He's going to do it his way, and he's not going to do it my way. But perhaps we can get at this by looking at the context and see what Jesus is really up to and why he starts with the good news today, with the blessing. He starts this way, I think, because if you read the context here, Jesus is uh, in this place where he's in this plain, surrounded by all kinds of people who are coming to him from all sorts of regions. And here as he's preparing to preach to these people on the plain, they're coming to him with all kinds of needs. They're starving, they're poor, they're hungry, they're oppressed by demons, they're wrestling with disease. We know and we can speak this way that the wages of sin is death. And sin has gone off like an atom bomb that's ruining everything around it. And so Jesus sees people coming to him who are both sinful and suffering on account of the consequences of sin in this world. Jesus sees sin crushing everything and the burdens of life weighing down on everybody. And when Jesus sees this, he cannot hold back. He cannot stop himself from just pouring forth with good news and mercy and grace. He comes and he just needs to give the gospel to the broken and the hurting. He looks at those suffering people and he says, I can't hold back. Blessed are you because you got a lot of great stuff coming. He says, blessed are you for God has seen your plight. He sees you. And so he has sent me here to restore you, to rescue you, to redeem you from your sins, to heal your diseases, and ultimately to bring you into the kingdom of God. I am here to free you and forgive you from the curses that plague you, to remove your unrighteousness and take away your sin. Jesus looks at those who are suffering, even you this morning, and says, Blessed are you, for I have come for you. But I mean, who talks like that? Who goes to the ICU at the hospital and runs down the hallway to the people sitting on their beds yelling, Blessed are you? Who goes to downtown Escondido and sees all the homeless people all over the place and leans out and says, blessed are you, blessed are you. Further, who then turns to the people driving down the boulevard there in Escondido and looks at those in their Toyotas and in their BMWs and in their Subarus, driving from their comfortable homes to their comfortable restaurants so they can go back to their comfortable homes. Who looks at them and says, woe to you, for you are dead. Who does that? See, this brings me to my second point for Jesus. I don't know if Jesus knows, but he's saying all the wrong things to all the wrong people. He's looking at, the, I mean, it's like Jesus looks at those who we would say are clearly blessed, and he's calling them cursed. And those who are cursed and living in the death of their, their, their existence, he looks at them and calls them blessed. It's like he gets the whole thing backwards. It's like Jesus doesn't even know what it means to be blessed. If Jesus really wants to know what it means to be blessed, he should come talk to us. Because we know what it means to be blessed. We are the culture that invented the phrase, 
too blessed to be stressed, right? And Jesus is like, blessed are the stressed. And you're like, that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even work. If Jesus really wants to know what it means to be blessed, he should join us at our Super Bowl parties. You come to our Super Bowl parties, you can sit around with all of us who are having a great time with all of our friends, have a nice cold one, get a, back, uh, a, a, a bowl of chips, and then he can watch the commercials that will preach to us what the good, blessed life really is. He'll look at these commercials and he will see that the truly blessed life is the one that actually does have the $350,000 Ferrari. The blessed life is the one that does have the nicest car, the nicest home, all the right friends, all the right drinks, and all the right potato chips. Everyone with the right toys, they are the blessed ones. If Jesus would join us there, he would finally see, he would finally see what true happiness is. If he would just look at our lives, he could finally see what true blessedness is. He would finally see. According to this text, it seems like all that Jesus sees is the poor. All that Jesus sees is the hungry. All that Jesus sees is those who are weeping because of the loss of their loved ones. All Jesus sees is the lonely, those in the cancer ward, those battling with COVID. All Jesus sees is those who are reviled for his namesake, who are mocked for their faith, who are belittled for their confession. All Jesus sees are you who are hurting and in need of healing. You who are dying and in need of life. You who are broken and weighed down because of your guilt and your shame needing forgiveness. And he says, blessed are you because you're the one I see. You're the one I've come to save. And what about the rest of us? You know, us happy, upper-middle-class folks who have it all together, who are living the blessed life. He doesn't seem so kind to us. In fact, he says some things, things, things like this to us. Woe to you who are healthy, wealthy, and wise. Woe to you who have good reputations. Woe to you who laugh and enjoy this life. He's got it completely backwards. Jesus shouldn't be decrying us for our situation. He should be holding us up as the models to follow. We're the ones who have found all the books. We went down to Barnes & Noble. We got the book that shows you how to have a successful life and have a successful business and to find success in this world. And you know what the reality is? A lot of us in here, we did it. We've achieved it. We've arrived there. We've got everything we could have ever wanted. And you know what we like to say about it? We like to say we are blessed. We found the blessing. I mean, if Jesus really loves the hungry and the poor, he should be teaching them to model their lives after us. He should be teaching them our habits. I mean, what about us who don't need Jesus' help? What about us who don't need Jesus' saving? We have it all figured out. Woe to us. Yeah, right. Woe to us. We don't need Jesus. We don't need Jesus telling us what to do, turning our lives upside down, telling us that our lives are not exactly what they should be. No. We've done all the right things. We've followed all the right patterns. We got it all figured out. <laughs> Woe to us. Speaking of the patterns and following the right plan, this leads me to my third point for tonight. Jesus really seems to miss what we all really want in a sermon like this. He offers no advice. There is no practical guidance here whatsoever. 
fact, there is not a lick of a command. There's not a single instruction. Nowhere. Jesus just proclaims reality. He just tells us the way it is. <laughs> if he really loves the poor, the hungry, the weeping, and the despised, he'd at least give them some guidance to get them out of their predicament. He wouldn't just bless them. He wouldn't just show them mercy. He wouldn't just forgive them. He'd tell them what to do. But instead, he calls those who can't do anything blessed. Again, he looks upon those who are helpless and needy and tells them that he is the one who is ultimately going to take care of them. He looks upon you today, here this morning, who are without, who suffer, who long for your sins to be gone and long for your tears to be wiped away. And Jesus looks at you this morning and he says, blessed are you by me. Let me lead you beside the still waters. Let me lay you down in the green pastures. I will bless you, and I do bless you because I am taking your sins. I have died in your place. I have risen for your salvation. And now I am scooping you up in my nail-pierced hands, and I am carrying you to everlasting life. I'm doing it all for you. Blessed are you because I've accomplished everything for you by my grace alone. I mean, come on, Jesus, come on. Don't you know that if you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day? If you teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime? Blessed is the person who knows how to fish, Jesus. That's the way it works. Who can take care of himself? Who can take care of herself? Those are the ones who are blessed. That's what I say. But Jesus has none of that. There's no guidance, nothing to do. Seems like a blessing to those who are incapable of doing anything becomes twice as complete to those of us over whom Jesus preaches the truth. He offers them no help either. He offers no guidance. He just says, woe to you. He just sings their funeral songs, and we just won't have that. He at least needs to show us a way out, but he won't. He has no problem basically just putting us to death. He has no problem telling you that you have made an idol of your wealth you have made an idol of your full belly, that your easy living and pleasant reputations are idols that are killing you and putting you to death, and so long as you hold on to those as your gods, you are left for dead. It does not embarrass Jesus one bit to tell you the truth and to attack you in your sin and go after your death-dealing God. It doesn't bother him for a second. And it is devastating. Seems as if for us then, we're so comfortable in our way of life, there is no blessing here. It's like Jesus just comes along and he wants to take away everything we have until we have nothing. And that's hard for someone like me to hear because, after all, I'm living in the upper class, uh, in one of the, I'm living in like the upper class, upper middle class life, uh, in one of the wealthiest counties in the history of the planet. My belly is full while my fridge is stocked. I enjoy the laughter and the company of everyone I know, and my reputation is strong. Just like a lot of you. And Jesus says, woe to you. But aren't those things my blessings? Aren't those evidence of God's love? Isn't it proof that I'm favored? The way Jesus is talking here, it's as if I actually have nothing. As if you and I are dead where we stand. 
and that you cannot do anything about it. He curses you and your quote-unquote blessings and then leaves you with nothing. We're left crying out that I have nothing. I can do nothing. Woe to me. Woe to you and your wealth and your comfort and your, and your easy living. For in this you are dead. You're dead. So well now. Finally. Now he's got you where he's dead and empty-handed in your And Blessed are you because of that. Because once you're dead, now he can finally get to work and raising you to a new life. Now he can finally keep you and give you life that he has in store. And blessed are you because of that. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, Destroy our idols. Take away from us, Lord, those things that would prevent us from trusting in you. And teach us to live what it is called a blessed life by Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Having heard the word of our Lord.